Welcome to One Time. Every moment is a story, though some stand out more than others. The times we remember, the times that have shaped us into who we are today. From powerful moments to life-changing events, these are your stories of happiness, sadness, peace and fear. Here is where you tell everyone about that one time. This story is called The Witch on Station Street. It tells the creepy story of a girl and a neighborhood witch, a witch the girl hadn't seen until this one Halloween night. Where I grew up, all the houses looked the same. They weren't cookie cutter houses, but they were similar. And they were cozy and modest. There was one thing we shared, which was the same view. We didn't have any houses on the other side of the road, only a railway line, which stretched across the whole street. I lived in that house for almost 20 years, I had lived somewhere before, but I was too young to remember it. So to me, this was the house of my whole childhood. It was on that street where I met my best friends. It was at that house that I broke my arm on the stairs. It was there that I had my first kiss. It was there when I saw the witch. Station Street was mostly a pleasant place. There wasn't much traffic, but at night, the air was haunted by the screams and sudden shouts of the trains racing past. The noises were hardly noticeable in the daytime, but the night brought it out in volumes we couldn't ignore. But I think maybe they were harder to ignore because of the stories I was told. That the shrieks traveling down the street didn't come from the trains at all. They came from the house, ten doors down. The house that didn't look like any of the others. The old house. The ugly house. The house of the witch. In this particular October, I was between 13 and 15 years old, and these stories weren't new to me. None of my friends or brothers had actually seen the witch, because she never left her house. All we had was the nightly silhouettes by her dimly lit windows, and the movement in the closed curtains suddenly shutting, as if she had been watching us till that very moment. The stories told how her nose was long and twisted. Her nails were thin and sharp, and her eyes were wide and red. And her face, hideous and distorted, as if stopped halfway from melting completely off. Everyone at school knew about the witch, and we would hold our breath when we drove past her house 
which would stop the evil spirits from entering us. Everyone was afraid of the witch. October 31st, Halloween. One of my best girlfriends at the time was from America and lived only blocks away. Every year her mum would throw Halloween parties at their house and the kids would go out trick-or-treating. The neighbours were used to it, as this happened most years, but there was one house we never approached. The witch's house. We didn't dare. But this year that changed. We all started daring each other to knock on the door, calling each other scaredy cats and chicken. I remember when the dare turned to me, I felt really anxious about them thinking I was scared. I was, so were they. But in my need for attention and to look like the bravest of them all, I took the dare and I said yes. And step by step, I walked up the driveway towards the witch's house. The garden was mostly dead. The trees and bushes provided an apprehensive pathway, guiding me to her front door. My lolly bag was slowly torn apart, bit by bit by my anxious fingers, and I stepped up to the filthy doormat. The old door waited in arm's reach, and as I looked back I could see my friends standing together in a bunch and watching me. I pushed myself to speak, even though every part of me didn't want me to. Then, much louder than I intended, I shouted. Trick or treat! And I begged my feet not to run. No one came to the door. And I was happy about it. I thought maybe no one was home, so with less stress, although I was still very afraid. I called out again. Trick or treat? I looked back at my friends again. They also started to look a little less scared. The lights were off. No one was answering. The house must be empty. I looked back at the door again and then to the window next to it. I thought maybe there was a gap in the curtain and I could take a peep inside. I found a gap, and as I leaned forward, and just as my face neared the glass, a bony set of fingers clamped it shut. I screamed, and I ran back to my friends who were screaming too. She was watching me the whole time. We ran down Station Street screaming and screaming. Then, as we became exhausted, the screams started turning into a manic laughter. The excitement of it had us on a high, and we were laughing and screaming in the street. And before we knew it, we were already talking about going back. 
Natalie was sort of the leader of our group and pointed out that we didn't get a treat. So that means, well, that means she needs to be tricked. Something I want to say at this point is that we were young and stupid. Every exciting thing we did was led by each moment and we had no cares for the future. In a time like this, we simply didn't think with our best minds. We didn't have eggs or toilet paper as the traditional response would have been on television. We had never been turned down before. But Natalie, who was by far the worst influence in the group, had a boy's mind. She described a prank she always wanted to do, a cinema classic, the burning bag of poo. For those who haven't heard of it, the prank is simple and well-known. The prankster puts a piece of dog poo in a paper bag, sets it on fire on a doorstep, and then rings the bell and runs. The owner of the house will stomp it out and is left with poo all over their shoes. I've been an adult for many years now, and I can't believe I was ever so reckless and careless that I even considered such a tasteless and dangerous prank. But not only did I, I was the one to do it. Natalie had labelled me the bravest in the group. It worked on me a little, but it worked on everyone else a lot. And that's all that mattered. At that time, on this spooky Halloween, I was the fearless Susan, confronter of witches. I was going to go back, and this time with malice. As you might expect from a group of girls, no one was prepared to find any poo, but it was quickly substituted with thick mud from a nearby garden. One of the girls poured her candies into another girl's bag and volunteered her own. Natalie, of course, had a lighter. And with it, the stage was set. We made our way back to the fence of the witch's house, and I hesitated to go in. My eyes were fixed on the window near the door, where I knew she had been watching me from. All the excitement I was feeling turned back into fear, and the bravery I thought was inside me fell away. I didn't want to do it anymore. The idea was funny as a joke, but now that I was here, I didn't want to. I tried backing out, but the girls kept pushing me on. I told them I didn't want to, but the more I resisted, the more they urged me on, and Natalie got frustrated, insinuating I was ruining the night for everyone. I didn't feel like I had a choice, although I now know I did. I gave in to the pressure, and I stepped beyond the gates once again. I don't know what I was more afraid of, the witch who was inside or the thought of getting caught pulling a dangerous prank like this. Regardless, I kept moving forward. Have you ever had the feeling you were being watched? Well, it's much worse when you know you are. And the one watching you is the subject of your nightmares. I decided to get it done quickly. I raced past the haunted forest that was her garden and up to the front door. I watched the curtain. No gap in sight. 
I kneeled to the ground and placed the bag down. Then I took out the lighter and proceeded to set it on fire. The light didn't work the first time, the second time, or even the fourth or the sixth. But when I caught a spark, the bag lit up quickly. I put the lighter in my pocket and just as I was about to rise to my feet, the curtain at the window beside me moved. Not at standing height, at my level. I watched in fear, petrified, turned to stone, as her face emerged from the darkness of her house and up to the glass, which reflected the dance of the hellish flame. Her whole face was up to the window, almost touching it, and she was staring right at me on her hands and knees. I don't remember if she looked just like the stories told, but her face was mangled. I remember that very clearly. And I remember something else. Something I'll never forget. I'll never forget the sound of her shriek. Her deafening, harrowing shriek. I ran as fast as I could. I had to catch up to my friends as they had already started running, and none of us turned or even looked back. Around 12 or so years later, having never told anyone else, I told my mum for the first time about the witch, about what I did. At the start, mum didn't know who I was talking about when I referred to the witch on Station Street. But then she remembered the house and called her by her name. Mrs M, she said. And as I explained about the prank, my mother's eyes filled with tears and she covered her mouth with both hands. What my mother told me then would haunt me more than any witch could ever. Mrs M was no witch at all. She was a recluse after having lost everything in her life. Her face was indeed mangled scars of a horrible accident which took away her husband and her children. All her meals were delivered to her by truck because she refused to use her stove. The accident, my mum said, was pure tragedy and Mrs M would never light a flame again. Mrs. M no longer lives on Station Street. When I was a child, I thought of her as the most frightening thing in the world. Now all I see as I remember her is a sad story and a lonely woman who lost everything. She didn't deserve what we did to her. She didn't deserve the judgments people made and the stories people told. 
What I did to that poor woman was horrible. And I wish with everything I have that I could tell her how sorry I am. There truly was a witch on Station Street that night on Halloween. And it turns out that witch was me.